Good morning, Lake Church. Come on up here. I'm going to help you up. All right. Amen. Well, we're going to be talking about the family for the next few weeks. Amen. Is that all right? So um, for the last eight weeks, we've been talking about controversial issues, but there is not a more controversial issue in our day than teaching from the Word of God in regards to family. Amen. And in fact, uh, some of the things that we're going to teach, I believe in 10 to 20 years are going to be considered hate speech. So we're going to be talking to you about the divine order of family and the divine um, uh, structure of family that God set up in the beginning and that he desires for us to continue in today. Amen. Now, you single people don't check out. Because you know what? You may be faced with a a situation in which you may be getting married or you may have children and grandchildren that might need your advice on godly marriage. We need to equip ourselves with the proper information. Amen? And my wife is going to be with me today, and I'm grateful to have Pastor Karen with me. We have been married for 38 years this past... This past September, and um, it's it's been good. Good answer. <laughs> I take a drink after that. We have four beautiful, handsome boys, and uh, we've got eight grandchildren. Um, we have been together since, uh, 16, we were 16, 14 when we first dated. Um, and, uh, if, if you consider a freshman, uh, dating, uh, we really didn't date cause we couldn't drive or do anything, but, uh, 16, we got together and we've been together ever since. So it's been over 40 years that I've been madly in love with this woman. And uh, just greatly blessed by everything. I am who I am because of this woman sitting next to me, and I'm grateful for her. We've been through a lot. Um, You know, we've never been uh, in crisis, per se, as far as our marriage is concerned. We've had some rough times, but I've never slept on the couch. I've never... I've never went to a motel, and, you know, we've never separated or anything of that nature. God be praised. And, um, but we're friends. And you, you, you just can't undermine that aspect of relationship is that you've got to be friends. And, and we're friends, first and foremost. And the older we get, the more friendship it becomes, you know. Um, <laughs> What do we have here? Uh, You're going to get yourself in trouble. I am. I am. I am. We're just getting started. (laughs) So, you know, you, you, you begin to, the warmth of friendship is something, you know, other aspects of marriage relationship ebb and flow. And as time goes on, those aspects aren't as as intense as they used to be. But friendship can keep you consistent, constant, and warm. 
And that's what I have. I know I have somebody that raises my hands, that helps and assists me, that is my fan. Now, she'll not always tell me what I want to hear, and uh, she'll, but, but she's there for me, and she's a true voice to me. And uh, there's such a lack of trust in marriage relationships today because the devil's done his dirty work. And uh, so I want us to look at a scripture, and then, of course, Karen will have her say. And uh, But this, this is a scripture out of Psalm 11 and verse number 3. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we've been talking about it. Karen has had it on her heart for quite some time to establish the family. And uh, it's amazing that we have to say that, that we have to say that we want to reestablish the family. Because we live very busy lives. The enemy has us going in all kinds of directions. And to really refocus and refire the aspect of true community family is something that uh, is really alien in our culture today. Yes, we may be married. We may have a marriage license. We may live together. That doesn't mean that we're functioning as a harmonious, wonderful family unit. Amen? You can have a driver's license and you not be a good driver, you know. <laughs> and, and so what we've got to establish is God's design. Because, see, in the Torah, where the first five books of Moses, that's where marriage is introduced. It's introduced in the second chapter of Genesis. And it is the building block of all civilization. God has deemed the unification between a husband and a wife as the building block for the entire civilization. And it has secrets and data and information within that covenant that if you don't get a hold of that, it will affect your spiritual life with the Lord. We'll look at this a little bit later, but I just finished teaching on Ephesians, and we looked at Ephesians 5, and we saw that when he teaches on marriage, he teaches on husbands and wives, he says, I'm not even speaking about the relationship of marriage. I'm speaking about our relationship with the Lord. So inherent within marriage is our understanding of our relationship with God, our relationship in prayer, our identification with him, and our oneness with him, our unification. See, these are all valuable things. Right now, we have business partners coming together, living independent lives, trying to amass wealth so that they can do what they want to do in life. And that, my friend, is not marriage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, we really, it's, it's really a miracle that we are in this place. It really is that we have come to this place. God literally brought us to this place. And he is so good, so faithful. And when I think about our early days of marriage, we were so... Ooh, we were so messed up. Mm -hmm. We were so young. and But beyond that, I realized this morning, I was thinking about really how much I love Greg and, and how thankful I am 
for him. And I really, I really just have in my heart, if there is a picture, if there's a picture in my heart of how thankful I am for having Greg as my husband, I would see myself as the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair and with her tears. And, and if that imagery is a little too much for you as a wife, as a woman of God, um, I understand. I understand because I was, I was there. And when we, read the, when we read the word, his standard is so much higher then, then we, people of God, we are not scratching the surface of what God has meant the marriage to be. The union and the covenant life. Marriage is a covenant. You have, when you come, when a man and a man or, or people would come together in covenant or God and man... What was happening? What was happening? They were not just coming into agreement. They were literally giving their lives. They were, they were saying to each other by cutting themselves, by mingling their blood, they were entering into a covenant. And they were saying, if you need my life, I'm giving you my life. And the other understood and reciprocated that, that I am laying down my life. For you. And so we have no concept of covenant and what that means. And just as Greg says, we enter into marriage so far removed from God's idea of marriage and what it means. It is a laying down of your life. When you take marriage vows, you're going to die. You're going to die to yourself. If you are doing, if you are living for God and you are submitted to God's life and his spirit, you are going to die to yourself over and over and over and over. But that is not a bad thing. That's what's supposed to happen to the followers of God, to the sons and daughters of God, so that we will become more and more in his image. And we can represent him in the right way that he would have him to. That we would truly be little Christ. That we would be little Jesuses in the earth. And our marriages would exalt him and be the image that he desires. Because our lives should, our, our lives should be preaching the gospel mm-hmm. to this world. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so when Greg and I was first, in the early days of our marriage, I had a, a very warped idea. I was very independent. I had a very bad, uh, a bad uh, uh, opinion of men. I thought they were, they were selfish and chauvinistic. And, and when people would... <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> and when, um, you know... <laughs> trying to make a very long story short, I had a bad opinion of men. And I didn't want anybody, much less a man, telling me what to do or how to live my life. Or And so when I read, as I grew as a Christian all my life, when I would read in the Word 
about submission and, and all these things. I, I could not receive them. I could not receive the word of truth. And I'd only ha- I just could only put it on the shelf because I did not have the heart to receive God's word. I was so messed up. I love God. I serve God. I walked with God. But in that area, whew, I, couldn't, I couldn't allow my husband to be my covering. And, and I, I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him because I didn't trust God. That was the bottom line. And so it took many, many years. Well, being married at 18 is when we got married. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that for anybody. But, um, <laughs> but when we got married at 18, I, you know, my ideas of marriage was um, 24 hours sex. My, how that vision has been dashed. <laughs> but I was selfish in, in the way that I approached my relationship. And basically, I was looking for someone to replace my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a very dangerous thing because she was more than happy to take the reins. Yes. And become my second mother. I, I, that's all I knew. That's all I knew. That's what I thought marriage was. I'm going to take care of you. mm -hmm. And unknowingly, I didn't know that I was taking the reins. Well, you shouldn't want to make love to your mother. (laughs) So, So what happens is, what happens is intimacy goes out the door. It goes out the door. And it becomes... Checks and balances. You know, the quality of your relationship is, how can I not aggravate her today? How can I not, you know, come on now. Am I speaking the truth? Okay, how can I not do that? Well, see, I, I was selfish. I got born again at 22, so we were married five years mm-hmm. before God transformed my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was incredibly selfish and in it for me. And uh, that's really what we come into. We, we come in as halves trying to make a whole. Mm-hmm. And God's design is that you're supposed to be both at 100% coming together. Yes, See, so she doesn't make up, you know, we, you know, we have this mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Maguire, you complete me right. uh, type of mentality. That's absolutely false. That is not, the only person that completes you is the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we, we really put our relationships in a form of idolatry when we do yes. that. We, they, we begin to worship them. And uh, it is, it's absolutely wrong, and it just sets you on the wrong course. And so I was not wanting to lead because I feared her criticism. I feared, you know, her correction as to what I was doing and the decision-making that I was trying to make you know, she always had her version of it, and she still does to this day. However, the fruit of the Spirit has taken over in our lives, and we are able to function as one. Now, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and this last year, or the last year, was extremely tough in, in, on our marriage because we, 
went through aging parents and parents that, you know, uh, a father that was had dementia. And it was very difficult, and it really pulled Karen uh, in, a, in directions that she never thought she'd be pulled into. And, of course, you, as a spouse, you come along with it, and you feel for them. But also, as a spouse, I really didn't understand either mm-hmm. because my, my mother's been gone for 20 years. So, you know, and I didn't really know what she was going through because I lived with a, a mother that had a chronic disease. She died of that disease, but yet it wasn't as, as you know, uh, demented and, and destructive like what her father was going through. And it really took a toll on her, took a toll on the whole family. And that was the first time that I really began to think, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. You know, I, I, I said, I, I don't know if we're going we're gonna to make it. And that, that's, that's difficult because I love this woman. And I'll do everything I can to stay with her. I'll, I'll not do anything. I may do something by mistake, but I'll never do anything on purpose to try to separate us or anything. But... There was just a tension in our relationship that really took us to our core, to where it took us to places we'd never been before. But the Lord working in us caused us to become stronger, mm-hmm. and we're in a great season after that. Yeah. And because the Lord just brings that sweetness and that bitter, yeah. and he helped us yeah. and, and gave us strength. But... Uh, I'm so glad, I'm so blessed that I can, with genuineness of heart, say to you that I love you more. Our love is deeper and stronger than it's ever been in all the days of our life because of uh, God has brought us to this place, and it didn't come, (laughs) it didn't come easily. It didn't come without much uh, work, much work. And, and what I started to say was what I remember is that, you know, Greg's, Greg's love for me is, was my food. It was my necessary food to give me freedom to be who I am. You know, men of God, you don't know what you give your wife when you love her unconditionally through her hard places, through things that you don't understand, just as he was describing. He didn't know how to help me in the hardest places of our lives in that situation. It literally, I just wanted to die. It was so bad. But there were times I would show up and I would say, I just need you to hug me. I just need you to hug me. And I would, he would hug me and I would cry and, and then we would go on. And that, his love has, just like he has said, I wouldn't be here without my wife. I can also say, if it was not for my husband's love for me, I would not be here. I can say that with all conviction. That even, even, because see, see what is happening What is happening that is good advice that I can tell you today after 38 years of marriage 
is that at some point I was able to look through my husband and see God in my husband. No matter what he exempted, no matter where we was at, no matter how one of us was failing or whatever, wherever we was, praise God for his mercy and grace that he taught me to look through the man, through the flesh, and know that there is God inside that man. And I don't need to work to change him. I don't need to be his Holy Spirit. I don't need to think I'm better than him to lift him up. I don't need to do anything for him except work on me. When I work on me and look to my own self, Between God and I, I become the woman he needs. And when he does that on his end, he becomes the man I need. Because, because see, when we took that covenant, when we took that covenant oath, right here in this very town, 38 years ago, Greg and I stood at First Baptist Church. And we said our vows, and we weren't even living for God. We We were just on the brink of coming back to God. And he wasn't even born again. But when we stood on, in that church and we took our vows, there was, there was someone that wasn't even invited. There was someone that wasn't even invited to that wedding. And it was God himself. God himself was there in that moment. As I took my vows, we took our vows, and I had tears running down my face. Not because of, because of joy. I didn't even know why I was crying, why I had that the reaction that I did. But now I know the reason why I had that reaction because God Himself was there, and He didn't even. We didn't even know. We didn't even know Him. We didn't. But He carried us. He carried us, and all He is looking for is people that will seek Him. And will desire his, his, what he wants above their own desires. And so when we, you know, Paul said over and over, he said in, on two occasions word, he talks about how that he poured, he was going to pour himself out as a drink offering. And um, in recent times, the, the Spirit of Grace was showing me about myself. He was speaking that to me. He said, Karen, you're going to pour your life out. And I didn't, know what, I didn't know what he meant, but he reminded me of that this very morning. And I know that's, that's what he meant, that I'm going to pour my life out. But when we read those words, we think that's us giving of ourselves, and it is. But there's so much more to that. Because look at it in this light. This is the light to look at it in. Jesus himself was our drink offering. And the Bible says that he poured himself out as a drink offering for us. His blood and his life, his death, his burial, all of that was poured out for us. He is the standard by which We live our lives. And when he did that, he set a standard. And we, we as his bride, we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. 
And how the bride responds to the groom. He is our groom. We are the bride. And he is our husband. And how do we respond to Christ? This is how the wife responds to the husband. This is how the wife should respond to the husband. This is how the husband should love the wife. Is how Christ loved the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we see how God, how Jesus poured his life out, this is how he expects us as husband and wife to pour ourselves out as a drink offering. Now, see, the world will look at this and they will say, how did I start? How did I start? I talked to you about the woman that washed Jesus' feet. Why did she wash Jesus' feet? Because she had received from Jesus. She received from Jesus. He had forgiven her. She literally was taken from the street, a prostitute, dead in her sins. And he brought her in and gave her value, gave her forgiveness, made her righteous, clothed her in robes of righteousness and gave her value and meaning. And so she responded. And this is what we do, church. We respond to the love that Christ has for us. When he poured out his life, we as the church respond to that love. And man of God, when you love your wife as Christ loves the church, she will respond to you. She will respond to you. And she will be behind you. And she will support you. And she will love you as you, as God intended and designed her to love you. But you know what? Let me tell you something. I didn't wait for this man to love me like Christ loves the church. I knew what I needed to do. I knew my place. I knew that I was responsible for my own reaction and how I was going to live this word in my life. Because I have a, I have a relationship with my Savior. And I didn't need anybody to tell me. I got in the word for myself and I found out what my duty was. It don't say wives submit to your husbands if they're perfect. It says wives submit to your husbands. Or we have to be doers of the word. And so we can easily see how Christ loves the church, how husbands are to love their wives. And how that the wives will respond in a, corrupt, in a correct way. In the way that God has created her to. And so in, the, in this moment, that's what I saw this morning. I saw myself loving. And I wanted to just tell, every, tell my husband in, every, in the presence of everyone how much I love him. And how much I, I just appreciate him and love him. You know, early in our marriage, I was so messed up. I used to go to the clubs. And dance with other men. Yeah. Pastor Karen did that. That's true. That's what I mean. I was messed up. Now, let me tell you what. 
my heart was right in the way that I wasn't looking for another relationship. In fact, the women I was hanging with, they were having affairs, and I said, I'm done with that, and I ain't about that. But that don't make it right. What I was doing was wrong, and I'm sorry I did that to you, babe. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, hey, this man, this man didn't even know the Lord, okay? He didn't know the Lord. But because he loved me, he loved me to say, you know, I can't, I know what's happening. I'm just going to hang back and you got to get your wild out. So I'll give you that. You know, he gave me room. He gave me room because he loved me. Are you, yeah. don't, don't be making faces. I'm not making faces. <laughs> even, even when he didn't know God, he was loving me and it was causing me to change. I tell this story, I tell this story to a lot of, of, of men that are having challenges in their relationship when uh, their spouse is wanting to, um, I don't know, they, they feel restricted. And uh, what I what I came to understand during that time in which she did this. Now this was early in our relationship. This wasn't last week, you know. So, <laughs> like I said, I was, you know, we were married maybe four years. Um, it was around eighty eight, eighty nine. It's a long time ago. And uh, anyway, you know, she lived in a, a a home that had a lot of structure in it. A lot of structure. She barely could go and spend the night with friends. That was how structured her family was. And uh, so when we got married and she, you know, she just wanted to experience things that other people had wanted to experience. And she was not living for the Lord, nor was I. I did not want to do that scene. I didn't want to go into that scene. And so she had some girlfriends that wanted to do that. And I just felt, now, I'm not saying I was led of the Lord. But what I will tell you is that I knew that if I would have laid the hammer down and been, you know, adamant that she should not, I would have lost her. And uh, so a whole summer, uh, the crazy summer of 87, I think is what we might call her, you know, she went out on Saturday night and, uh, uh, and I stayed home. I just stayed home. Didn't have kids. Didn't have nothing. We didn't have kids for five years. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, but listen, you've got to know where you're at. And you've got to realize that, you know, you've got to give people grace sometimes. Amen. And what she's talking about is creating an atmosphere and environment. Because that's the number one role that I, as the husband, do is create atmosphere and environment. it's, It's not to answer all our questions. It's not to solve all our problems, you know, because, you know, she don't like my solutions half the time. But, see, that's what we want to do as men. We want to prescribe things. The women come and say, I've got this, and they start talking about, you know, what's bothering them or what's affecting them, and we just begin to start writing prescriptions out and throwing them out. They don't want that. I remember in uh, in a movie, I allude to this movie. It's not, not a very good movie, but it's White Men Can't Jump. And, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson is fighting with his girlfriend, and uh, uh, she asked for a glass of water. 
And he goes and gets a glass of water, and she slaps it out of his hand. He says, what in the world? Did you slap this water out of my hand? I thought you wanted a glass of water. She says, I didn't want a glass of water. I wanted you to feel my thirst. (laughs) And, And that's something that you have to understand as a man, that you're not there to solve their problems. You're there to create environment and atmosphere to where they feel safe. You see what I'm saying? They've they got to feel safe because they get insecure. Women, and men as well, but women have insecurity issues. And as husbands, as we need to cover our wives and give them the environment to be able to make mistakes. To be able to, you know, be themselves and without recourse or judgment or you know, repercussions, you know, you, you need to let them be who they are. And that doesn't mean you let them be a, a wild idiot, you know, and rebellious to God. I'm just talking about, you know, if they're having a bad day, don't try to fix their day. Stop it. Men, write it down. Stop trying to fix your wife's day. You can't do it anyway. Amen? Learn to listen. You have two ears and one mouth. Get a clue. <laughs> Amen? So that's what Paul says in, in the, the fifth chapter of Ephesians. We, we've got it on our list, but I don't believe we'll make it there. But, um, but he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And, uh, and that's what we do. We, we give ourselves. When a, when, a hus- when a husband takes a wife, he gives his life away. That's what she's telling you. Yeah. Now, that's not something that's taught in our culture today. Like I said, we're looking for business partners. That's what we're looking for. Who's going to come in and bring some more cash into this house so we can go down to Cabo? That's really, those are major issues. Yeah in the culture today. And there's so much withholding and witchcraft in marriage um, where we withhold from one another and don't give each other what each other needs. Uh, Wives withhold submission and respect and men hold back love. Mm -hmm. See, nowhere in the scripture, here's something that's going to surprise you. Nowhere in the scripture does it say wives love your husbands. There's not one scripture that tells you to do that. Although... We know that as believers, we're to walk in love and to operate in love. But it never commands the wife to love the husband because love to a husband is respect. It's honor. And when that is broken, it doesn't matter how many times you say, I love you. It doesn't matter how many negligees you buy. It doesn't matter what kind of trips you take. If respect and honor is gone, mm. you're basically saying, I do not love you. Mm. And that's harsh and tough, wow. but it's absolutely the truth. Wow. Husbands are to agape their wives. That means they are to love as God loves, not conditional love, not superficial love, not love that is, is you know, if she's doing everything right, then I'm going to show her love. Mm-hmm. No, we have to show them love. Regardless of how we feel, how they're acting, what they say, and what they do. Because that's how God loves us. 
Agape love is a love that decides to love. It's not based upon emotions. Listen, in marriage, you're going to have a roller coaster of emotions. And there's going to be in time, times where you feel super hot charged with love for your wife. And there's going to be times in which, you know, you don't. not. Okay. Um, but the, con- the unconditional agape love of God keeps you on the level. I have decided to love. See, if you'll love her as Christ loved the church, when you have those emotions of not feeling, you're not running to another relationship. You're not running to porn. You're not running to other things to try to secure yourself during a rough time. Because the agape love of God keeps you consistent, keeps you there. I have decided to love her. I remember a, a, a fight I had with my mom and I tell you what, I wish we could get into uh, outlaws in your life. My mother-in-law, my mother, who was her mother-in-law, was kind of hard on Karen and hard on us because she didn't understand certain things. And I understand her more now with my kids being grown Mm -hmm. and being married themselves. So I understand what she's gone through. It's amazing how you figure things out or you see things as you go a little further down the road. Amen. So she had problems with me being married because I was her only son. And, you know, there is no woman that is good enough for my boy. I've heard that over and over and over again. And most, most mothers believe that. Amen. And uh, she would, you know, critique Karen and I'd listen to it. And that's part of the problem that we need to understand is that I did not understand leadership in my home. I did not understand how to take a stand for my marriage. I didn't really leave and cleave. Like I said, I was just looking for Karen to function as my mom, take care of me, whatever, with the added sex part, okay? And, and that was really what it was. But one day when we, we, I'd gotten, you know, my head on straight, and she got on the phone. She had called. Karen answered the phone. And then they had an exchange, and then she hung up. And uh, it was about some information about going somewhere. And then my mom calls again, and I pick up the phone. And she said, she said, Greg, son of mine, Gregory, that's what she, Gregory Vincent is what she would. She said, your wife has the most displeasing manner on the phone of anybody I've ever talked to. She is not nice on the phone. And she's not nice to me on the phone. And I remember just, I had to come from my spirit because I wouldn't normally say this to my mother. But I said, she's mean to everybody on the phone and I love it. (laughs) And it it was an acceptance Come on now. No, that's not true. That was hyperbole. I was doing exaggerating. No, but she was true. exaggerating too. So you got a, you know, tit for tat there. But but what I was saying was you're not going to sway me yeah. on my decision right. that this is my wife and my woman for life. Yeah. And I don't care what you think about her. And guess what? I'll tell you all. I don't care what you think. 
about her. I've had people come and complain about her to me. And they said, no one likes her. And I looked at him and I said, I do. And that's all that matters. Now, that's not true. That's not true. People love my wife. You know, there's a couple of others out there. But, uh, but listen, men, you got to take a stand. If, if this is your wife, this is your wife. Don't try to hide things. Don't try to edit her so other people will enjoy her like you enjoy her. They're not. Do you see what I'm saying? You chose her. This is a holy relationship. She's set apart for me. I could care less what you think. And hopefully she, she feels the same way. I mean, I, we are who we are. Well, she's dominant and she's right. Yes. Absolutely. And I like it. Golly, these people just feeling sheepish around their wives and, you know, feeling embarrassed by them. You can't do that. That doesn't mean you let them go off and say and do stupid things all the time. But I'm telling you, there are core things that she is that are never going to change. And I'm not here to change her. I'm not here to change her. She you do, te- you do help me temper and myself. She, and she helps me temper myself. But she don't try to change me anymore. No. See, the, the number one. <laughs> that's true. right. It's true. Say that. It, it's true. It's true. Um, because the first thing that young couples try to do is change each other into their own image. Yeah. Why do you do the toilet paper that way? Why do you squeeze the, you know, the toothpaste in the middle? Why do you do this? And they, they want each other to be like the other person. But what attracted you was not the things. Attracted you was the opposite extremes to who you are. And I love this woman and always have. And she's changed over the years, you know, because women uh, change over the years. And every decade... You know, there just becomes a new aspect of her. And I enjoy the process. I enjoy, because I feel like every 10 years, and we've been married almost 40 together, uh, and been together 40, uh, every 10 years there's just something new that comes forth. And uh, you've got to be, um, you've got to be like, uh, like an Indiana Jones, and you've got to start looking for the treasure. You've got to... You've got to start, you know, realizing that there's something yeah. far deeper. Right. And it, it took years for us to get to the point where we began to see these things. Yes. I mean, it, was, yes. it wasn't overnight. Some, something that really helped me when I started breaking, truly getting revelation, something that really helped me was um, God asked me to start looking at at my son's and he asked me Karen would you do you want your wife's sons to treat them the way you treat your husband 
And that helped me get light on how I spoke to Greg, my demeanor, my posture, because, because others will treat your husband the way you treat him. And in, in our staff and in our, you know, when we first started, I was the administrator of our office. And there was one day Greg had to set me down and say, uh, we're not having this attitude no more because they're treating me. Your little attitude's rubbing off on them, and we can't have that. And, you know, so seeing my, seeing my son's, their relationship with their wives really helped me get light on my relationship with, with this relationship. And, um, you know, what I, what God had to, God had to show me my pride and, and some years back he began to work on me and show me, he wants, he wants us to be free. He wants us to enjoy our lives and enjoy our relationship and our marriages. And so because he loved me, he began to uh, woo me to himself and show me myself, show me my attitudes and my pride and and as he did that it was a very painful process I mean I, I got had gotten in trouble different times been for over different issues but praise God by his grace I was able to submit to God because see this is this is the thing if you cannot submit to each other as husband and wife you are not submitting to God you are not submitting to God who you can't see, you know, by not submitting to God-ordained relationship, husband and wife relationship. It's, it seems scandalous to talk about this stuff. I mean, it just seems so opposite to what our culture is today. Just mm-hmm. saying the word submission is a cuss word. Yeah. It's, it's something that Americans hate. They absolutely yeah. hate we want independence, and marriage is not about anything about independence. Yeah. It's an interdependent relationship. And if you go in it with an independent spirit, you're just going to cause more problems in your life. And, uh, you know, Karen ha- had pride in one issue of self-sufficiency, of not wanting anyone to... Yeah. Make up the difference in her life. She was going to do it. She was going to do it her way. My pride was totally in a different area, in a different realm. My pride was more I was deceptive. I lied to her. I hid things from her. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to have certain things that she that I knew she didn't want me to have, and I'd pursue that. But my pride, we both were dealing with pride, mm. and pride brings witchcraft into yeah. the home. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, casting spells on one another. What I'm saying is, is manipulation yes. begins to happen. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is I withhold and she withholds. Yes. And one thing that she could get me to do anything that, I, that she wanted me to do was sex. I mean, I was definitely a slave to that. Well, that was used. And there's a lot of families that use that as a means of controlling one another. 
And that is wrong. That is not what God intended. And if you continue to do it, it will undermine your intimacy later in life. And you need to get a hold of that. Amen? And how do you get a hold of it? And I'm going to tell you something that you're going to hate. You need to fast it. If you fast it, you'll break the power of it. Amen? And it's important for you to get your sex life in the right mindset instead of controlling each other with it. Because I saw it as she loves me if she's going to be intimate with me. That's not the case. She loves me anyway. You see what I'm saying? But I saw it as the means of, of my worth. My worth was found in my ability to woo my wife. And that is a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. You want to be manipulated emotionally, get on that train. Get on that train. Because I'm telling you, as you age and as you get older, if you aren't solidified in your relationship with your wife, I'm telling you there's torturous times ahead. Because you will begin to think of yourself as less of a man. Mm -hmm. You'll find your identity in that rather than what you need to find it in, in Christ. And it will undermine your relationship. And I see it day in and day out where witchcraft has been the prominent way two people interact in a home. They use their children as a form of manipulation. They use their schedules as a form of manipulation. They use uh, what they're proficient in to demean one another, to condescend to one another, to talk down to one another. This is stuff that shouldn't be going on in the house. Guess what? Your kids are watching every bit of it. And they don't do what you say. They do what you do. And so the curse is perpetuated. If you're negligent, you know, one, one of the greatest compliments my oldest son told me, he wrote it in a card. And it was, I think it was a birthday card or, and he wrote it. My oldest son said, he said, you're a good example. Now, you know, I, I, don't, I don't say that, you know, I, I, I feel like I fail so, so often. He said, you're a good example. And he says, you love mom no matter what, yeah. exclamation point. Right. That is what they need to see. Was that's, I perfect? That's the foundation. That's did, the foundation. Yeah. Did we not, have we fought? Yeah. Absolutely. Have we had issues? Yeah. But the love was always there. Yeah. See, that's what the husband's supposed to bring. Husbands, love. 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 Mm-hmm. love. Wives, respect. Yeah. Respect. Respect. Those two things cause the home to run harmoniously. Yeah. Well, he don't act like I need to respect him. And if he, when he starts <laughs> acting right, I'll start respecting. No, no, respect by faith. That's that's what she was saying. Yeah. She respected by faith yes. because I wasn't always the man that was worthy of respect. Yeah. I didn't always make decisions worthy of her respect. But she respected me anyway and trusted her creator, right God. There. Because you know what? People we can go in and out of trust with. But God we can always yeah. trust. And so whether the people that are in our lives are trustworthy or not, we know 
that God, who we trust, put that person in our life, and he will deal with them if we'll do the proper prayer diligence and hand them over to the Lord instead of trying to control them ourselves. Yes. Amen. Amen. That Amen. was real good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Um, let me read off First Peter chapter three. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And then it goes on. In verse 4, it says, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. That word quiet doesn't mean quiet like no speaking. It means not to be meddling in other people's business. It doesn't mean quiet like in the way that we perceive it. But this is the verse I want to get to. And verse 6 says, As Sarah, wait, sorry, I skipped 5. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I'm just going to sit right there for a minute. Calling him Lord. This is what I'm talking about. When I would read these scriptures, I, I couldn't even handle it. It's so, so far above my understanding. My, I, I couldn't even, I, I just had to put it on the shelf. But today I'm walking in a different place. I've gotten some light and understanding on this because, see, submission is not slavery. Submission is not slavery. Submission is freedom. It is a spiritual exercise in which all of us, we are to submit one to another. And as children of God, we are to submit one to another. And in the marriage relationship, we're to submit to one to another. However, there can only be one head. There can only be one head, and he is the head. And I will submit. I will submit myself to him. Not without a fight every once in a while. But <laughs> inevitably. Listen, that's just real. It isn't I make the decision and she goes with it. That's not how no. this works. Not no. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. How it works is if we're faced with a dilemma, we come to God in prayer and we pray about it. She brings her point of view. I bring my point of view. I have to weigh her point of view and I have to value what she says. And there's many times that she'll come in and she has the right solution. You see what I'm saying? Many times. More times than I want to (laughs) mention in front of you. Yeah. Okay, well, so so and so I take that, but I pull the trigger. Yeah. She helps load the gun, but I pull the trigger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so and inevitably, and there's times when she's making decisions about her personal ministry and her personal life mm-hmm. that I'll say, Karen, you make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. And God help. Wants us to make decisions but as that, well. That gets, took time to get to that place because yeah. we had to learn to trust each other. Right. 
trust each other's gifting, trust, you know, that they're hearing from God, trust, trust, trust God that he's going to take care of us, Mm -hmm. even if the other, even if we're not in sync to, but but this scripture, you know, we need to get the spirit of what is being said and not take it literally that I'm to call him Lord and he is to dominate over that is not the idea that I am bring that the word is bringing forth it is an attitude Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord is an attitude a Sarah is in the faith hall of fame she is a woman of faith she believed God she is separate from Abraham do you know that, that God himself came to Sarah alone and said to her the same thing that he said to him, to Abraham? So, so what we have to see here is that Sarah you know, had an attitude of faith and grace that we need, women of God, in our relationships, in our, in our lives Two, let's just go over. I'm just going to go over to Hebrews because we need to read this in Hebrews 11. 11, 11? No, 11. Where is it? If you're right, you're right. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. I think, I think that's the best, this is the best advice I can give you, women of God. If you are struggling in your marriage, look to God. Look to God. Let him be who he is and be the anchor of your soul. And look to him and cry out to him and be like Sarah. Be a woman of faith. And believe God for your husband. You know, I would try to get my husband, I would attend church without him uh, in a couples class in the, in the Baptist church. I would attend church without him. And I'd go home, most Sundays I'd go home to see if he was ready and he would come, home, come back to church with me. But a lot of times he wouldn't, he's still in bed and didn't get up and get himself ready and I'd be mad at him. <laughs> And he would, um, yeah, so on this one particular morning, I had went, this was happening. I went to wake him up and said some words to him that I can't say right here. And, um, and he went back to sleep, and I went back to church, and, and he had a dream. And he was not born again. And when he had a dream, he saw himself, he saw the stage. Is that right? Mm-hmm. He saw the stage of a building, it was a church that it hadn't even built, been built at the time. But years later, we would be associate pastors in that church for many years. Mm-hmm. And he saw that stage. It was a very distinct stage. It had a lot of, there was a lot of mauve, because that color was big in the 80s, and, and uh, pl- greenery around the stage. Mm-hmm. And he saw that, and he said, didn't you see yourself speaking mm-hmm. from that yeah. platform? And he wasn't even born again. Mm-hmm. And so, it was an ugly stage. <laughs> Come on. Come on, babe. Stick. Be spiritual. 
But anyway, I saw myself speaking in there, and it freaked me out. And I, I was reluctant to even tell Karen about it. But you it was, didn't tell me it. was it. because it, had she not taken the stand and went to church, had we been in bed together that morning, I don't think I would have ever got that. It was her act of faith by going to church and moving forward with God that brought about the change. And women, you've got to understand that. Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth's wife is responsible for his salvation. And he would kick her out of the house because she was a preacher. Yeah. He would kick her out of the house. She would sleep on the porch. Mm -hmm. He would open the door in the morning. She'd pop up, give him a kiss, and cook him breakfast. Yeah, that's true. See, now that's extreme, and most people can't wrap their minds around that level yeah. of submission. We have wandered so far away yeah. from these godly principles that we just don't know what's, what's right anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we're, we're so... Uh, here's something that's in the vocabulary of our culture, and I'm going to wind this down. I'm done. Mm. This is over. I've had it. Mm. See, this is all constant in our homes, in everything that wow. we do and everything. And people don't know how to press in anymore. They don't know how to go forward in the midst of adversity. They're quitters. The devil wants you to quit. He wants you to quit. Well, he isn't doing this. It's been 20 on years and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just done. Well, who says? Who says? Well, does the father say you're done? According to the scripture, no. Come on now. I'll, I'll tell you what. This is... I go back to talking about the mark of the beast. How about that? that... <laughs> well, it's contingent on having a revelation of our the love of the Father for us. Yeah. It has to begin there. If I cannot receive the Father's love and understand the gift of His Son. Mm -hmm. It's that receiving thing again. We are the church. We receive. We are the bride of Christ. And then we respond to that love. Mm -hmm. We respond to that love. Just like that woman that, that, that washed Jesus' feet. Mary washed, washed his feet with hair and her tears because she was so broken at what Jesus did for her. Changed her life. And we have to... Receive the Father's love for us and the gift of His Son to be able to have the lenses to see God in the man and see God in the woman and to love each other the way God intended and designed us. To work. When, we, when we have this revelation, we become an unbeatable team. We become an unbeatable team when we become one. We become one. See, see I always thought that for Greg and I to be a success or to flourish as a, as a, in our marriage, that we needed to pray together, that we needed to study the Bible together, to intercede and be in intercession together. And, you know, I had, we have this ideas or mindset of what marriage is, but, but we just need to be real with who we are as individuals and let, let God build who we are because we're all different. If he wanted us all the same, he would have made us all the same. 
But see, I am, I, we are different and we complement each other. This is the way it was supposed to be. Greg, I, I am weak where Greg is strong. Greg is strong where I am weak. Right. We make an unbeatable team when we yield to the spirit of grace and receive his son, mm-hmm. receive the love of the father through the son. We're able to receive each other's love in the, and love each other like God loves us. Right. So these are foundational truths. And if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Submission and obedience to one another. Loving our wives as Christ loved the church. Respecting our husbands as admonished in the word. These are foundations. The enemy has sought to chip away at these foundations. It doesn't matter what kind of structure you build on this earth. If it doesn't have a foundation, it's going to be faulty. So within the Word, within God's Word, is His design. It's His architecture. It's His divine information. It's the seed that holds all the data that how God wants this thing to work. Marriage was created and ordained by God to be the building block of the kingdom of God on earth. It is the foundation of human civilization and its existence. The enemy has sought to undermine and destroy this foundation and create a counterculture built upon principles that are contrary to the Word of God. It is, it's like trying to build a language without alphabet. It's trying to develop a work of art without the five primary colors. You can't do it. And uh, even though the world promotes all different types of relational um, hybrids. It is only God's design that will last. And this is the last scripture that we'll look at before we close with prayer. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor. How many feel labor? Mm. Yeah, there's work to this, but there's a grace on this. Mm. And when grace is on it, the work is 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 anointed by God and there's a there's a rest to it. Yes, but yes. when you're not operating right, right. there is toil. Yes. There is burden. There is consternation and trouble and discouragement because the Lord must build the house. Yes. So I want to build what he's building. I want to cooperate with his building in my life. Not with something that the world or the universities are teaching. Not, you know, the, the injection of feminism, the injection of machismo, the injection of these various different isms that they're bringing into our culture today. I need to go back to the book. I need to go back to the fact that marriage is between one man and one woman. That whether you have kids or not, you're a family. You're a family, and you need to understand that families thrive when they operate according to God's Word. Amen? And we're going to talk next week, and it's going to be a good time about blended families. Uh, Kevin and Rhonda are going to give us insight on how they went through the pitfalls and the wonderful, uh, great victories they've had in 
developing a blended family. In fact, almost 50 to 60% of our families in the United States are blended families. So it's important that we understand that the principles apply regardless of what family type we are. God is the author of the family. And for this cause, I bow my knee under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Amen? Hallelujah. Did that help anybody? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Karen, why don't you close us out with prayer? And uh, after we close with prayer, there will be ministers here to assist you in anything you might need. If you need prayer for your marriage, they're here to help you. If you need to be born again, they're here to help you. Whatever you do. And the baptismal pool is still warm. So if you want to get baptized, we'll dunk you in Jesus' name. Amen? She's going to close us out in prayer. And then we'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night as we continue Galatians. And then we continue this series next week. Amen? Hallelujah. God bless. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for our church, our church family. And I thank you for every husband and wife, mother and father represented here today. Every family represented here today. I thank you for your heart to love us and to send us Jesus. Lord, we respond to you. We respond to that love. And we want your love in our homes, in our families, in our children, and in us. And Lord, I just pray over our church family today that every man, every woman, every husband, every wife will receive your word in an endeavor to live your word like never before, to be leaders in the household of God, to lead their families in your ways, and to glorify you in the earth. We thank you and praise you for this day. Bring us back, Lord, for this fun party tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.